all kinds of music in the 80s. Everybody was getting into the music of the 80s. Like, if you could halfway sing and you could get a band together, you could put together a hit in the 80s. Not a lot of people know this, but Bruce Willis actually had a hit song in the 80s. The Die Hard guy had a hit song in the 80s. How many of y'all remember that song, Respect Yourself, that he put out? Yeah, um, it was okay. But if you could carry half a note, you could get away with stuff. A lot of people don't realize this, but in the 80s, Sylvester Stallone actually had a hit single that came out and a song, yeah, that was tied to the movie Rhinestone. I don't know if y'all remember that movie. It's where Dolly Parton was trying to teach Sylvester Stallone how to be a country and western singer. So you can imagine how good that song is there. I don't recommend that movie to anybody. It's horrible. And Sly singing is even more horrible, but somehow he got away with it. The music from the 80s was awesome. It really was. Um, But you can't talk about the 80s, though, without talking about the movies. How many of y'all have a favorite 80s movie? Okay, on the count of three, I want you to go ahead and shout out your favorite 80s movie, okay? One, two, three, shout it out. Oh, yeah. Kids, there's a lot of different answers flying up from there. And there's just, there's just so many. Like, I was trying to pick out movies to talk about today. There were just too many to talk about. Because you got to talk about Batman. Batman was from the 80s, and it was awesome. You know, it just brought the comic book to life in a real way. Uh, and it wasn't just Batman. Check out this movie from the 80s. It was a big hit also. Can't talk about the 80s without talking about the movie The Outsiders. What's the, what's, what's the phrase from The Outsiders? Stay gold, pony boy. That's right. Stay gold. Stay gold, pony boy. Uh, the Outsiders was cool, but this movie, I think, was pretty fun, too. They're going to show you here. The Goonies. How many of y'all remember The Goonies? I remember going to the theater to see The Goonies as a kid. Now, what do Goonies never say? Goonies never say die. That's right. Uh, So if you're a Goonie, you never say die. Goonies was great, but a lot of people like this movie that we're going to talk about next. I was a big fan of this one, Top Gun. Because sometimes I feel the need, the need for speed. See, y'all are finishing my sentences for me. This is why I know that God's given us a great church. Y'all know how to fill in the lines behind us. Listen, 80s is good. But this movie makes 80s just a little bit better. Top Gun is great, but this one, The Karate Kid. How can you not love The Karate Kid? How can you not love Mr. Miyagi? Wax on, wax off. How can you not love... How many of you, I tell the truth, have tried the crane kick? How many of you have actually tried the, the crane kick at some point? Yeah, the crane kick is awesome. It'll save your life because according to Mr. Miyagi, if you do right, no can defend No can defend. Uh, Karate Kid was great. This one was a really good movie, too, that came out in the 80s. Indiana Jones, The Raiders of the Lost Ark, a great movie. I tried forever to get my dad to buy me a bullwhip so I could try to sling it on stuff and, like, swing around like he did. And my dad wouldn't give me one because he knew I'd probably kill myself and probably hit my sisters with it. Here's a conspiracy theory, though, and a lot of people have posed this. What if... Put Indiana Jones back there. Up, uh, What if the whole deal around Indiana Jones, all the Indiana Jones adventures were just dreams of Han Solo while he was frozen in carbonite? Do you think about that? Ooh, 
what if, what if. That's a little nerd info for you right there. Now the 80s, they peaked this one a while ago. We're going to show it to you now. You can't talk about the 80s without talking about The Breakfast Club. The Breakfast Club was a big hit in the 80s. How many of y'all have seen The Breakfast Club? Yeah, it's a great movie, I guess. You want to know a little bit of truth? I've never seen The Breakfast Club, ever. Never. I don't even think I've seen more than a couple of minutes of it while it's been on TV. So maybe if I watch it, I'll be better like anointed as a pastor and a preacher if I can catch up on uh, The Breakfast Club. This is a big one from the 80s also. Back to the Future. How many of y'all remember watching Back to the Future? Yes. Back to the Future was awesome. was awesome because if you could get a DeLorean up to 88 miles an hour, you could go places with a flux capacitor. You had to have a food processor. Remember, if you had a food processor, you could make it run on food, too, and cheat a little bit. Doc Brown was always adding to it. The movies from the 80s were so influential, and I don't think anybody realized that they got away with this. They were so influential on the culture of the day, they actually took a piece of junk car like the DeLorean, and they made it cool in a movie in the 80s. How many of y'all would love to own a DeLorean right now? Oh, yeah. It would be fun to own, but they're not like the most reliable, not the most reliable vehicle out there. Uh, so much stuff from the 80s. The toys from the 80s were unbelievable. How many of y'all played with toys growing up in the 80s? So if I were going to throw out G.I. Joe, how many of my guys played with G.I. Joe when you were growing up? G.I. Joe was awesome. He-Man was awesome. I loved He-Man. If I were going to say Thundercats, Thundercats, Thundercats. There it is right there. You know, you know all the guys that watched Thundercats growing up. And then there was My Little Pony. My Little Pony was a big hit in the 80s. Cabbage Patch Kids. Oh, man, how many ladies in the house had a Cabbage Patch Kid growing up in the 80s? Yeah, that was it. You had to have a Cabbage Patch Kid. Um, and then the Care Bears. Y'all remember the Care Bears? The Care Bears were awesome. We could use the Care Bears today, I think. Because like, when times got tough, the Care Bears would literally like join arms and stand in a line and they would do what's called the Care Bear Stare and they would shoot love out of their hearts into whatever problem they were facing and fix it all. It was unbelievable, unbelievable. Now we've got one more photo I want to show you. My media team is way ahead of me this morning. Uh, one more photo I want to show you from the 80s, though, because this one right here uh, is a guy. <laughs> now, if you don't know who that is, that's uh, one of our lead guitar players, Dave Varney. And no, he's not wearing an outfit on purpose. That's how Dave dressed back in the day many, many moons ago. Dave just happens to be having a birthday. So Dave, happy birthday today. We're celebrating you, man. How old are you? 22,000 years old. 2,200 million years old. Now Dave's, Dave's a great guy. He rocked out the 80s. How many of y'all have got some secret photos like this sneaking around of you that you hope nobody ever gets a hold of? Yeah. <laughs> so the 80s were great. The 80s were fun. Um, but the 80s had so many movies and so much music and so much stuff like it, it would it wouldn't be too much to call the 80s the decade of more just more 
more movies, more songs, more stuff. It was the decade of more. And because it was a decade of more, uh, there were phrases that came out that became real popular in the 80s like this. Um, here's one of them. He who dies with the most toys, and what goes in the blank there? Wins. Wins. That's right. He who dies with the most toys wins because the 80s not only was it about having a lot of music and a lot of movies, it was about more. The 80s was about getting more stuff, having more toys. And if you had enough toys, you won. There's another phrase that came out in the 80s was, second place is the first, it's the first loser. That's right. Ricky Bobby grabbed a hold of that and took it too far, though, and he said, if you ain't first, you're last. <laughs> you ain't first, you're last. More stuff, more stuff. And in the 80s, this mindset started to grab our culture as a country, and we began to think that more stuff equaled success. More stuff equals more success. The more that I can have, the more prestige I can have. The more stuff that I've got, the more important that I look. And so we began to constantly reload on things and buy things that we didn't need and, and load up on stuff. In fact, in the, in the 80s, because everybody was going after more stuff, that is the first decade where it really began to be cool to be too busy to have any fun. You want to go out and, and we're going to get together and barbecue in the backyard and have the kids over and let them play, and that sounds like a whole lot of fun. You want to do I can't do it. I'm too busy. I got to work. I got to work. I got to work. And... And it was, it was like if you could work more and be busier, then you hit this level of status that other people couldn't obtain to. Because in order to get more stuff, you had to work more. And if you were going to play the game and have more stuff and have more success, then you had to be able to pay for it. So everybody was working more, working more, and working more. Now the problem is, with going for more, that means there's got to be a trade-off somewhere else in life. More time at work and more time going after more stuff means something's going to have to suffer. It means something in life is getting cheated. Either things at home are getting cheated or time in your marriage is getting cheated or time with your children is getting cheated or I think the most tragic one of all is that in going after more and chasing after more success, too many people have sacrificed the call of God on their lives and have sacrificed their relationship with God in the quest of going after more. The 80s, um, while people were going after more, like the retailers and, and the credit companies, they figured out, <clears throat> hey, since everybody's going after more right now, let's give them the opportunity to get more before they're ready to pay for that more stuff that they're going after. Did you know that in the 80s, <clears throat> that's when credit cards became really popular? They really didn't exist before the 80s. Like these local stores said, you know, if you guys want this stuff, we'll give you the ability to get this stuff now, and you can pay for it later. And they were just trying to increase their customer base, but they figured out that people didn't have the patience to wait for, for more because when you want your stuff, you want it when? You want it now. You don't want to have to wait for it. And that became real popular in the 80s. And so credit cards hit the scene, and they just took off like wildfire. And these stores realized, we can give you the ability to get what you want now instead of you having to wait for it, and we'll just charge you a small little bit of interest, and you can make that monthly payment, and we'll just continue to give you as much more as you want. 
There was a case that actually went to the Supreme Court in the 80s. Not a lot of people realize this, but the, the, the creditors and the banks and these retail stores had a case that went to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court ruled in favor of them being able to charge a ridiculous amount of interest on these cards. And so they were betting on people's greed and people's cravings of more now, and they said, We'll give you the ability to get it, but you're going to pay for it plus a whole lot over the long run. Did you know that since the 80s, credit card use has gone up well over 2,000%, and it shows no signs of slowing down anytime soon because people want more, and we want more now. The problem is, though, that it becomes a trap. How many of y'all ever had a credit card, and you thought, man, this is awesome. I'm able to get everything, and then suddenly... A little light comes on when you get that statement and you see, oh, junk. I have piled up way more on this card than I thought I was going to. Have anybody ever had that moment in time? Yeah. Well, I want to show you a video clip about this comedian who does this little routine on it, just a, a minute or two of it, about that moment when you realize how much debt you've actually piled up. Check this out. You know, I don't know if anybody's in debt tonight, but if you are, I'm going to tell you right now not to worry about it because I used to worry about it and it doesn't help at all. I used to be in a little bit of debt, and it bothered me a lot. Now I'm in a lot of debt, it just bothers me a little. <laughs> and I know why. It's because I figured it out. I finally hit the number. And you know what's key about the number? Is that you don't even know what the number is until you hit it. And then one day you're home, you're just kind of looking through the bills, the Discover, the MasterCard, the Visa, and all of a sudden it hits you. Wow. I can never pay this off. <laughs> Well, maybe if I... No, no, no. All right, let's go to Target and buy a big screen. Who wants one? Come on. Follow me. Yeah, we're going to have some fun. I don't care what it is. We are living the visa loca. We are going to go out and spend like crazy. I'll tell you, that is the best feeling, just hitting that number, because you're like, woo, whatever happens, happens. I'm like, I don't care. What are you going to do, sue me? <laughs> Put it on the visa. Put it on the visa, oh, the way he ends up. That was a mindset, though, of the 80s. It was a decade of more. It's a decade of wanting more. And if you ever wonder how we get where we are as a country today, it's because of decisions that were made in previous decades by previous generations that we are paying the price for today. Our national debt is how much right now? Because when we want something, we get something, and we don't want to wait. It impacts us. It makes a difference. But there's a spiritual principle that goes a little bit deeper than just the basics of finances and income versus debt. That's not really what we're talking about today. But greed and wanting more than you have and not being content in what God has blessed you with and what God has given you. And there's nothing wrong with wanting to better yourself. There's nothing wrong with wanting to improve your lifestyle. But we've got to make sure that we're doing those things with the right motives. Not because we're trying to grab more for ourselves, but because we are stepping into the blessing that God is bringing into our lives. And there's a big difference. Jesus dealt with this issue a lot in Scripture. If you will, go with me to Luke chapter 12. We're going to start reading at verse 13. Jesus is teaching in the temple... 
And someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. So Jesus is teaching, and this guy stands up and interrupts what's going on. And he says, hey, teacher, he makes a public display out of this one. He could have gone to Jesus in private because he wanted everyone to know about what was going on in his life. This guy could have gone to just a, a regular civil court, a regular Roman civil court, and had the matter handled by Roman law. But he chose not to do that because he knew it probably wouldn't land in his favor. So he went to Jesus, a teacher of the law, trying to get an interpretation of what the law said about his situation. He says, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And Jesus replied, man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Jesus is like, why are you bringing your family business into this public place like this? Why are you bringing your drama in here? I can almost hear the tone in Jesus' voice. Who appointed me the person to be able to decide what's going on with your family drama? And then Jesus turns on a dime, like Jesus always does. And he uses this as an opportunity to dive through what this guy is putting up as a situation and get to the heart of the matter. Jesus says to him, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Jesus just shoots straight to the heart of it and says, this isn't about an inheritance. This isn't about a family squabble. This is about your brother being so greedy that he doesn't want to share what he has with the other people. And this is about you being so greedy that you want some of what your brother has because he's got it and you don't. It's interesting to me in this passage of Scripture that Jesus says that we should be on guard against all kinds of greed. You know, greed goes further than just possessions. It can go further than the money that we were collecting and putting in a bank account. We can be greedy for a whole lot of things. Greed is wanting something that we don't have in an, unbal in an unbalanced kind of way. It's greed could manifest itself in our relationships. Greed can manifest itself in in our jobs, it could manifest itself in ministry goals sometimes. Greed, anything that is more than what we have now but is in imbalance with God's will for our lives and God's word speaking into our lives can be something that qualifies as an issue of greed in our lives. And Jesus begins to teach this parable. Jesus was always going to bust a parable out on somebody, just give him enough time. And he said... The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. So this guy had a good year. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. You know, this guy refers to himself 14 times in this parable that Jesus is telling everyone because he is 100% focused on himself. So he says, I'm going to take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, 
This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? He says, this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. So this guy had a plan. I've done good. I've got a lot of extra. But his focus was himself. And Jesus says, hey, this is how it's going to be. He, in this parable, is going to die before he gets a chance to do anything with it. And Jesus says, this is how it plays out in life's every day. This is how it will be for whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. We can choose in our lives to either try to be rich in this world or to be rich in the things of God. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to be rich in the things of God. You know, because none of this stuff in life that we earn, that we build, that we create for ourselves, we're not going to be able to take any of it with us. That's what Jesus is saying. It goes to the edge of your grave and goes no further. But there's a different kind of rich that we should be living our lives toward, and that's being rich in God, rich in the things of God. You know, you can live your life rich this side of eternity, being rich in the things of God. How many of you want to be rich in the things of God this morning? Yeah? Everybody say, I want to be rich. The question is, what kind of rich do we want to be? And this is the line that Jesus is drawing in the sand here because there are things that we will want to pursue in our lives that don't benefit us in the long run. Because we want them then, we want them now, and we don't give thought to how now reaching out for things, trying to get more, can impact God wanting us to be rich in Him in this life and to live our lives in such a way that we are building and placing treasures in heaven that will last for eternity. See, when we leave God and an eternal perspective out of our plans, we will always fall into the trap of selfishness and greed. Always. When we leave God and an eternal perspective out of our plans, we will always fall into the trap of selfishness and greed. Everybody do this. All right. God has a plan for our lives that is moving in constant time. Right now, just... God's plan, God's will, God's purpose for our lives. Moving in time and in his rhythm, his timing, the way he wants it to be. And sometimes his rhythm is a whole lot slower than we'd like it to be in our lives. Because we want stuff now. God doesn't always move like that, okay? Where we get in trouble is when in following God's plan and purpose for our lives and in following what the Bible says and living our lives by biblical principles, we get in trouble when we see something that we want that is not in God's timing, purpose, and plan for our lives in that season. Now, it could be something that's just as innocent as taking an extra shift at work or taking a new job that's going to give us more money to be able to provide for our family. And the thought is, well, I'll take this job. 
I got money for my family. We got more money for our bills. We'll be able to put money back in savings now and pay down some of this debt. This is going to be a great job. But if we don't stop and weigh this new option, because the more money seems great, but we have to weigh the more money against, one, what the Bible says, and two, against God's plan and calling for our lives. Is it God's will for you to take the job that gives you more money? You have to weigh that against what God has called you to do as a person. Because if the job that gives you more money causes you to spend less time with your family and causes your marriage to be impacted because of the hours that you're having to put in, so you get the job and you get the money, but your family falls apart, we went for more, but we pay the price in the home. And we can talk ourselves into things and, pre and we can present things to ourselves and say, no, I'm not being greedy. I'm just trying to better myself. But we don't stop and think about how that's going to impact the home life or the family life. We don't stop and think about, okay, if I take this job or if I do this thing, what is it going to do to my ability to be used by God and what he's called me to do? What's it going to do for my schedule? Well, you have to work on Sundays. Okay, it just took you out of church. It's going to impact your ability to be able to serve. It's going to impact your ability to be able to be involved in what's happening in the house of God. And I believe that if God has called you to a church, then your calling will link to you doing your part in the church to make the ministry go forward. Amen? So we don't think about that. Well, it's going to take you out of being able to volunteer and serve. You won't be able to make meetings because you're going to have to work longer hours. You'll have to travel more, but we'll chase the money and not think about how it impacts our calling in our life. God's calling and his timing moves, listen now, at his pleasure and the way that he wants it to, not at ours. And sometimes we'll see things and say, I want that, and we don't give consideration to how it's going to impact our walk with God. And so we'll take the more because it's something that we think that we need in our lives to help with the, the, the quality of our life or to help fulfill us in a way. And by reaching out for more, instead of trusting God and making sure that we're moving in step with what he wants us to do in our lives, we let something that we desire now take the place on the throne of our heart that Jesus is supposed to have 24-7, 365. And I see people do it all the time. Most people do it for relationships. We see somebody that we're wanting to date or we're just, we're thinking about marriage. All my friends are married. All my friends' friends are married. And here I am, just the single one. I need companionship. And so we'll jump into a relationship without even consulting God to figure out if he wants us to be in that relationship in the first place. God's timing God's will, God's plan. And this is what I've learned, that if we trust God today and we spend time in the presence of God today and we do God's will today, that what we do today puts us into God's will for tomorrow. And what we do tomorrow, it plays over again. God's will tomorrow sets us up for God's will the day after tomorrow. So if we're in God's will today, fulfilled by him today, the rest of it is going to take care of itself. And God's got a way of bringing the relationships and the people 
into our lives in his own perfect timing so that we don't, listen, we don't have to make things happen on our own. We just need to trust God and know that we're moving in step with his will for our life. Wouldn't you rather wait on God's will and have him bring the perfect person into your life when he's ready at that point, you doing his will, that person doing his will, and your trails cross, and you guys are able to meet and spend the rest of your lives together. Wouldn't you rather do it that way than spending your whole life going from broken relationship to broken relationship, destroying your heart, trying to get that fulfillment on your own instead of trusting God to be everything that you need and letting him make you whole on the inside? So that when that time comes, you're not bringing half a heart into a relationship. Or half a person into a relationship. Or a whole lot of emotional baggage into a relationship. Trusting God. See, this is it. Anytime we step out of God's timing and God's process for something that we want now, we put ourselves into a dangerous spot. A trap of selfishness. And greed. How many of you have ever seen this play out in somebody's life before? How many of you have seen it play out sometimes in your life before? Yeah, me too. Yeah, me too. The devil is real tricky because he'll present things to us that we think that we need, and he'll get us to step out of God's plan. Matthew 6, verse 19. This is Jesus again speaking on this principle. He says, Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. And then Jesus drops a bomb. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus said, if you want to know what's sitting on the throne of your heart for real, and not just church talk it, and not just say what you're supposed to say, if you want to know what's driving your heart, what, what's motivating your heart, who's sitting on the throne of your heart, whether it's you going after the more, or it's you going after God's kingdom so that you can be rich in the things of God, he says, look at where your treasure is. In today's talk, that would be start at your bank account. He says, look at your bank account. Look at your transactions and see what you're spending money on. See what you're giving priority in your life. Here we go, pastor, starting to meddle a little bit this morning. Now, I'm trying to save you some heartache this morning. I'm trying to help you make good decisions in your life so that you don't have to make the mistakes that I've made in my past. You don't have to make the mistakes that a lot of us have made in this room. And so you don't have to make the same mistake that you've made before. Jesus says, look at where your treasure is because that's where your heart is going to be. See, Jesus knew that the number one competitor for the place that he's supposed to have in our heart is going to be our stuff. We want our stuff. We want more, and many times we want it now. And Jesus says, if you want to know the test of all tests, because most people don't wake up in the morning and go, ah, today's a good day. I think I'm just going to be a greedy person today. You know what, I think I'm going to be greedy for the next six months, or you know what, for the next five years, I'm just going to be greedy. We won't wear that title on ourselves. So Jesus gave us a test, and he said, hey, 
Look at where your treasure is. Look at where you spend your money. Do you spend your money on all yourself, all your bills? Are you packing a ton of money back into savings and then giving what little is left over to the kingdom as an afterthought? Or am I a priority in your life? Jesus said, you know, you know why God told us to give the first fruit of what we have come in and income back to him as an offering? You can call it tithes, you can call it giving, you can call it whatever you want to, but Jesus said, when I bless you, give a portion of that back to me. You know why he did that? He did that as a safeguard for us because he knew if we didn't do that first, we would go stuff crazy. So he put that commandment in the Bible as a safeguard to keep us on track because he knew stuff was going to be the temptation. He knew stuff was going to be the distraction. And if you're not careful, if you're not careful, relationships can take that place in your heart that he's supposed to have, right? where your treasure is. That's where your heart's going to be. Not just money stuff. What do you think about more? The person that you're dating or Jesus? Who do you spend more time with, that person or Jesus? I don't know why I'm on this this morning. When you look at your bank accounts, does it reflect a person whose priority is putting the kingdom first or putting themselves first? Because Jesus is saying that kind of lifestyle isn't going to last. And you're storing up stuff on this earth that's not going to last. You're not going to be able to carry it with you. And you're not going to have a rich and fulfilled life. Because none of the stuff that we chase can fulfill us like Jesus can. I don't care how many people you date. I don't care how much money you have in the bank account. How many celebrities and sports people have we seen that have amassed millions and millions and even billions of dollars who are absolutely miserable in this life and they're going to die and leave it all here and move into eternity having missed the big picture. Jesus says, what good is it for you to gain the entire world but to lose your soul? So where your treasure is, there your heart will be. So I guess the question is, if we just want to be honest with ourselves, is which more are we pursuing this morning? Are we pursuing the more that's out there, the more stuff that we want, the more that we want to get from relationships, the more prestige, the more position, the more title, the more importance, or are we after more of God? Do we want the more of this world or do we want to be rich in the things of God? And it comes down to whether we're trusting God's timing and God's will or if we're trying to grab things today that God may want to bless us with tomorrow and in the pursuit of that stuff today, it takes us out of God's will and puts us in a place of frustration where eventually we'll get trapped in selfishness and greed. What more are we trying to chase this morning? A powerful lesson that we can learn from the 80s. Jesus, though, doesn't just pose this question, and he doesn't just say, hey, don't live your lives after the things of this world or chase after stuff that doesn't matter. Focus on my kingdom. Focus on me. Jesus gives us a powerful promise in all of this teaching. In Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 31, Jesus says this, So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? 
For the pagans run after all these things. It's not the stuff in life that is the problem. It's how we pursue the stuff in life that becomes the problem. The world chases after all of this stuff is what Jesus is saying. The world is consumed with what they're eating, what they're drinking. And Jesus, we've got to have food to eat. We've got to have clothes to wear. We've got to be able to pay our bills, and that's not the issue. But chasing and pursuing after those things in such a way that that is the end game in life, that's what Jesus is talking about here because it doesn't work that way. The pagans chase after all of these things, and this is what he says, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. God knows you need that stuff. Then Jesus gives us a promise. He says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Jesus says, if you put me first and you put me on the throne of your heart, if you put my will and my purpose and my calling first and you seek my kingdom first and don't pursue after all of this other stuff, but if you will just do what I've asked you to do and seek me with all of your heart, I will give you all of that other stuff that so many people waste so much time chasing after. If you'll just put me first, I'll take care of all the other stuff. I'll fulfill you. I'll make a way. I'll heal you. I'll restore you. I'll bring in the raises. I'll bring in the promotion as you trust me and you sow good seed in your relationship today. If you walk in my will, you'll reap the harvest that I have for you later in life, but I have got to come first. If you'll seek me first and seek my righteousness, seek my kingdom first, in everything in life, I will give you what your heart desires in my will, in my timing, and according to my purpose. Praise God for that promise in his word. I think it's a promise that not a lot of people cash in on. Because I think too many people are after more and the kingdom of God and their walk with God becomes an afterthought. And I don't want that to be that way in your life today. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. You don't have to stress over who you're going to marry. You don't have to stress over that raise. What you have to do is put God's biblical principles of finances to work in your life. And sow seed today knowing that he's going to bring the harvest tomorrow. Trusting him putting him first, and he will bring his more into your life according to his will and purpose. We don't have to stress out over this stuff. We just got to put him first. And he said he'll take care of the rest of it. What a beautiful promise. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to live my life under that covering. I want to live my life under that covering. Now, that does not mean that if we put God first in our lives, that we're going to go home today and there's going to be a brand new Maserati in the, in the driveway. All right? Some people have grabbed these scriptures and twisted them way out of proportion. That is not what this is saying at all. But what this is saying is that you might not get everything that you want in life, but if you put Jesus first, he's saying that you will have everything that you need for life. Everything that you need. Because I don't know how it works in your world. Sometimes I want things that I don't need. Sometimes I desire things that I really don't need. 
Like if I go shopping when I'm hungry, I see a whole lot of stuff that I want that I don't need. I will buy half a grocery store if I go shopping when I'm hungry. And I don't need but maybe two things in that shopping cart, but I'm going to spend an extra 50 bucks on stuff that I wanted in a moment. Yeah, Jesus says you might not have all that you want, but I will provide everything that you need. And here's the key for my will and my purpose for your life. Now the question is this, and this is grown up. Are we at the place where we can walk in contentment and say that Jesus is enough and all the other stuff doesn't matter? That Jesus is on the throne of our hearts and all the other stuff is just background noise. That we're trusting him daily to bring what we need into our lives and not wasting time pursuing the things that we want. This is what I found too, that sometimes God will give you some of that stuff that you want, even if you don't need it. But he's got to know that he is first in your life, that he's got that place on the throne of your heart because he knows that if he's there, then he can trust you with the other stuff because the other stuff is not in competition with that place he's supposed to have because he's sitting in that place in your heart. It's a lordship issue. It's a lordship issue. There's a quote that I read years ago. I've got this on my Facebook page. I've got this in several places where I can see it as a constant reminder for me, just personally. It's a quote from a missionary who gave his life on the mission field to reach a group of people. And after he had been martyred out on the mission field, his family found this quote in a notebook that he had written in one of his private times with the Lord. And it goes like this. It says, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. We can't keep any of the things in this world. Not one thing. The only thing that matters, the only thing that's going to last, everybody look at me, the only thing that's going to last is what we do that's going to have an eternal impact in people's hearts and in people's lives. It's what we do that's going to have an eternal impact for the kingdom of God. That's the only thing that's going to last. Too many people pursue the more instead of God's more. And we amass a whole lot of stuff that we're not going to be able to keep. I want to trade that stuff for something that I know that I can't lose. I want to advance the kingdom of God with my life. I, I want to see people's lives change and impacted for all eternity. But I know that that's not going to happen if I'm pursuing the more and neglecting God's more for my life. I made you a promise when I took over this church that I was not going to ask you to do anything that I was not doing in my life or striving to do in my life and my walk with God. And I was always going to be transparent with you guys. A lot of times when pastors get up and they talk about this, everybody's waiting for the big moment when the pastor is going to say, you need to give more to the church. You need to give more to the ministry this big offering and there's nothing wrong with that and I want you to know nothing wrong with that uh, lives are reached 
through finance ministry. That's not the point of this today. The point of this today is for us to look at our heart and take an honest look at what is driving and motivating us. Because we'll get into new seasons of life where the kids are in school or the kids are out of school or we're out of college or we're looking at new new avenues of work, seasons of transition, seasons of change, and if we're not careful, we'll chase after the more instead of stopping to consider what God's more is for our life. And we'll chase after building a kingdom to ourselves instead of making sure that we are becoming rich in the things of God and building His kingdom. It's a lordship issue. Well, preacher, that's great. You're challenging all of us to maybe give up some things. Yeah, it may mean that we have to give up some things. It may mean that we have to go in and say we need a new schedule at work. It may mean that we need to go in and say, you know what, this is taking me away from God. I need a new job, period. We might need to fix some things in the home. We might need to look at our finances in a real way and say, you know what, I am putting all of me and my needs first and giving God the little bit that's left over and I can almost guarantee you because in all the years of ministry I've seen this the people that put themselves first and put God as an afterthought the, the argument is well I just don't have enough to give and I'll tell you why you don't have enough to give is because you haven't given God priority in your finances and you're cutting off his blessing and his provision in your life Everyone that I've ever seen that puts God first in their finances, they always live in a lot. They always have a lifestyle of abundance. And it's not just money. It's not just money. Because a blessing of God comes in a lot of different ways. I'm not challenging you guys to do anything that I haven't done myself. A few years back, Kelly and I were praying, and I remember when God spoke to my heart, and he said this, I want you to close your business, and I want you to give up your home, and I want you to sell off all of your possessions and remove the overhead and demand for extra income off of your life. I had an incredibly successful business at the time. I said, I want you to give it up. What do you mean you want me to give it up? I've just, in years previous, lost all of my business. And now I've worked hard to get it back. And now this thing's bringing in a profit. And, and I'll tell you, at one point, I was seeing over 20 grand a month coming from the business that we were operating. I thought, you know what? This is awesome. Praise God for his blessing. And God said, I want you to give it up. And I want you to lay it down. Okay you to make yourself more available to do what I've called you to do. Okay? Then he said this. He said, oh, and by the way, I want you guys to move in with your parents. I would have been cool with all the other stuff. All right, but I'm a guy who at the time, in his early 40s, successful business, family's going great, Got the beautiful wife, got the nice house, and God says, I want you to give it all up. And oh yeah, I want you to move in with your parents. Let's just make sure there's no pride involved in any of this. You're going to humble yourself and move in with your parents. And I thought, okay, um, 
let me check with my wife. And I went and talked to her, and she said, you know what, I'm feeling the same thing too. And I said, this doesn't make sense at all. She goes, no, it doesn't. We better trust God and do it. I said, okay. Because there's a difference between more and God's more. closed down the business we moved out of the house sold off pretty much everything that we owned at the time because we had no room to put it anywhere we moved into my parents place with the clothes on our back and a couple of beds and a couple of bookshelves that's about it we gave up everything because God said so there were times when we didn't have the money to do the things that we were used to doing and there were times and even today there's times when I want to go do things and buy things and have things and it's not there because of where God has us in our lives you know this is where God has me we can have you in a completely different scenario I'm just trying to be honest with you transparent about what's going on in my life and has gone on in my life we gave it all up a year after we did that, the transition happened in this church where the previous pastor said, my time's up. It's time for you to step up and take over the church, Josh. If I had not been obedient to God a year earlier, I would not have been in a position to step in and pastor the church at the time because at the time, the church was financially devastated. At the time, the church was just stillborn wasn't a lot going on. It was time for a change in leadership. It was time for a new season, and we both realized that. But if I hadn't listened to God then, I wouldn't have been ready for God when the moment was right. But we took over the church, and because we got rid of all the overhead and relieved all the pressure from ourselves, we've been able to pastor this church and pour money back into this church and see this church become healthy again. We saw God navigate us into a new facility that we're in right now as a church. It's just a miraculous move of God with Him providing financially. I don't know that it would have happened without a moment of obedience. And that's not to put a badge on my chest. It's just to say in a way that makes sense to all of us, if you listen to God today, it opens up the door for His will tomorrow. And you cannot pursue the things that you want and you desire and you want to have today and push His will off and expect to be in His blessing and His provision and where He wants you to be accomplishing what He wants you to do in your life with His fulfillment, with His passion, with His purpose. If we don't do it today. I drive a truck that is beat up and it's got 460-something thousand miles on it right now. My wife drives a car that's not so beat up, but it's almost 20 years old, and that's the newest one we've got. And, you know, it's, I think it's a little over 200,000 miles on that one right now. And I could say, wow, we've got some beat up old cars that have got a lot of miles on them. Or I could say, wow, look at the provision of God because I'm doing what He wants me to do and I'm trusting Him to be my provider in a season and He's taken a truck and allowed me to put 460,000 miles on it because I'm operating in His blessing and He's making the stuff that I've got last longer. 
difference. It's a difference in perspective. Well, I don't have this. Nope, I'm walking in the blessing of God on my life. I might not have everything that I want, but I've got absolutely everything that I need. The life that is surrendered to Him is the life that He chooses to use to make the most impact because He knows who is sitting on the throne of the heart. Who's sitting on the throne of your heart this morning? I tell you all that stuff to say, wow, Pastor Josh has just got it. No, Pastor Josh doesn't have it all together. Pastor Josh isn't perfect. Pastor Josh, though, has a heart that wants to please God. And he wants to make sure that he does it as right as he possibly can. It doesn't just have to be me. Why can't it be you too? Amen? Who's sitting on the throne of your heart? Are we going after the more or are we going after Are we trying to be rich in this world or are we trying to be rich in the things of God? There's a difference. There's a difference. One leads to us accomplishing everything that he wants us to do with our lives. The other one gets us some stuff that isn't going to last. And probably leaves us with empty hearts and unfulfilled. Only Jesus, only Jesus brings the fulfillment that we need. All across this place, if you will, stand with me this morning. You guys that are watching online, just take a second, take a deep breath, and get focused on what's happening here in the service. Everyone watching online and everyone in the house this morning, if you can, bow your heads. Close your eyes for a second. I want to ask you just one quick question today. Is it you or is it Jesus? Because you look like a lot of different things. You look like stuff. You look like relationships. You look like pursuing a job. You look like so many things that the world offers because you want it now in the moment to get some kind of fulfillment or sense of purpose out of it. Jesus looks very different. on the throne of your heart? Is it your will, your purpose, your now, or is it His will, His purpose, His timing, His provision, His now, His kingdom being rich in the things of God? You're here this morning and you know, man, Jesus is not really, He's not really, I I, I love Jesus, I know about Jesus, I, I know He's died to be my Lord and Savior, but in this moment, He's not sitting on the throne of my heart. If that's you, when I count to three, I want you to lift your eyes up and look at me, heads bowed, eyes closed, all across this place, no one looking around. This is just between you and me. I want to pray with you this morning. Who's on the throne? Is it you or is it Jesus? When I count to three, if you know it's not Jesus, lift your eyes and look at me and let's get this right today. Here we go. One, two, Three, lift them up and look at me if you need to. I see yours, I see yours, yours, I see yours, I see yours and yours and yours. I see yours in the back, praise God. I see you right there. That's awesome. That's awesome. If you haven't lifted your eyes yet, you know you need to. There's one last chance. Pastor Josh, Jesus is not in control. He's not on that throne. He's not there, but I want him to be. All right. A lot of eyes went up this morning. Praise God for that. 
This is what I want to do. Okay? Nobody knows your heart better than you and Jesus. So I'm going to have the band lead us in a worship song to close out today. And then while the band's playing this song, you know what the issues are. You know what the priorities are that need to get right. Once upon a time, I would call everybody up front. We have a great altar call and we pray for everybody. But COVID-19 restrictions and requirements are saying we might not want to be doing that just yet. Getting people all gathered up in groups that they're not comfortable with. And that's why we're not doing as many upfront altar calls as we normally would do. And we're just letting you where you are. Let God do what he needs to do in your life. In this moment, between you and God, let's get whatever needs to be fixed. fixed. Let's surrender our hearts to him and let's lift him up. Because he's the only one that's worthy. Amen? Can we do that? So, band, let's fire it up and let's worship God. I want you to lift your hands and get lost in this. And let's just all, in this moment, give our hearts back over to Jesus.
exalt you. God, we thank you for what you've done in this place today, for speaking to us, Lord, for the fun that we've had, Lord, but for bringing it home in a personal way to each of us individually, Lord. God, we don't want anyone sitting on the throne of our heart with you. So, Lord, we just lay down everything, everything, Lord. We don't want stuff. We want you. We don't want the more that this world has to offer or that it says we should have. Jesus, we want the more that you have for our lives. We want to be rich in the things of God and the things that matter. Lord, we choose that today. We choose that today. You first. You first. We're second. You're first. Your kingdom, your purpose, your plan, your will. Not our will, but yours be done in our lives. Just like you pray, Jesus. Father, we thank you for caring enough about us to bring this word to us this morning. Father, we give you.